Hello, and thank you for joining the North Point Church Lutes podcast. We're excited that you found us, and we pray that you'll come back often and listen again and again. Each week, we upload the content preached in one of the North Point Church services here in Lutes, and we pray that you'll come back and listen and marinate on what it is that God was teaching us. The more that these messages get into your heart, the more that you have the opportunity to be obedient and allow them to change your life. We believe that God is real and His Word is true, and that has the power to change your life. So let's lean in together and see what it is that God has in store for you today. Praise God, huh? You know it's a great beach baptism when the recap video takes as long as church does, you know? That's really uh, an awesome thing. Praise God for that. And uh, just so excited to see so many people saying yes to Jesus Christ, giving their life to the Lord, following through with believers' baptism. Uh, If you've recently made a decision to follow Christ and have not been baptized, you have one more opportunity this year. It's in the month of November. And then for us Floridians, we just closed the baptistry down for a few months because we're just too much of a sissy. We almost killed somebody one time having a baptism in the colder months, so we just figured we'll just wait. But um, I pray that you would want to be a part of us, uh, another baptism service with us. But uh, So yeah, man, that's that's coming up right around the corner. Um, Right now, we're in the midst of a a small group uh, church-wide study. If you're part of a small group, you're going through, you should be going through something called the Engagement Project. Uh, It is something that was introduced to our staff uh, and that our staff fell in love with. It was something that radically changed us, and I believe that if it can get into the heart of us as a church, it will radically change our church, and we can make a huge impact in our community. Uh, It's put together by an individual named Del Tackett. Del Tackett's an incredible communicator, gifted communicator, uh, was a part of our, um, our Air Force and uh, worked in our, with uh, George W. Bush in his administration, uh, a great gifted communicator, but also an outspoken Christian. And I had the pleasure of talking to him on the phone this week for about 45 minutes, just an incredible conversation, telling him what's happening in the culture of our church, what God's doing personally in my life with this study. Uh, and he's just so excited that we're going through this and it hopes that one day in the, in, the, in the weeks and months ahead, if his travels come through this area, to come visit with us and to celebrate all that God's doing uh, through the engagement project with us. But uh, So today we're going to talk a little bit about one of the concepts that was introduced in, in that. And so if you're going through the series, uh, you will hear some of the themes that, um, that hopefully you've learned by this point. Uh, we're not all in the same week because I realize we all don't meet on the same days and between schedules, sometimes we're not all synced up together. But um, you're going to hear something, even if you're not a part of the engagement project, I'm going to put it in such a way that it'll put on a shelf that we'll all be able to benefit from today. And it deals with something that Dell talks about uh, regarding uh, Satan's schemes. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, he talk, uh, the Bible says, Paul says that we should be familiar with Satan's schemes. And we know that Satan's a schemer, um, but I think a lot of times we know he's a schemer, but we are not so wise to his schemes. Now, Satan is not necessarily very creative. He is crafty, but he's not creative. He uses the same tactics over and over and over again. And so if we can be smart and wise and understand his schemes, then we can set ourselves up for success and not be duped in the areas in which he's trying to set us up. And so today we're going to talk about one of those schemes. It's called the isolation trap. That's what I like to refer to it as, because it's exactly what Satan tries to do. He tries to isolate us, and he uses this scheme over and over and over again. He doesn't just use it, though, in the life of a in believers only. He'll actually see, we'll learn today, 
that he uses it in unbelievers or seekers. And so if you're here today or you're watching online and you, are, uh, you consider yourself someone who's kind of examining the faith and you, you really don't know what to believe yet about God and you're still trying to kick the tires of faith, but there's something that you've seen in the life of maybe another Christian or there's just something in your heart that you realize there's got to be more to this life than just living and dying and, and there's been a quest inside of you for some level of what you would call truth and you're examining that truth, well, well then you're a seeker. That's what we would consider a seeker, someone who's trying to understand and determine whether or not this stuff is real or not. And so we're going to learn today that this isolation trap is not just for Christians, but for anyone seeking to understand the truth about what is, what is my purpose uh, of, of, of being on this planet, and, and who is this God, and how does all that stuff work, and we'll make sense of it all hopefully by the end of it for you today. But in order for us to understand the trap, we have to understand the scheme. And so let's look at it in 1 Peter chapter 5. Here is what Peter tells us. And so in his book, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says this, that we should be sober-minded and be alert because your adversary, which is the devil, Satan, we've got to know who that we're dealing with here, what's he doing? He is prowling around like a roaring lion. And what's he doing? Looking for anyone that he can devour. So Peter is likening or using a metaphor of a lion attacking and prowling, going after its prey. And Peter's saying, we've got to pay attention to that. This is a scheme. It's a strategy. And so there is, and, and what he is noting is that there is some type of scheme and strategy at work as he is going after us. He's prowling around just like a lion would prowl. And so what do we know about a pride of lions and how they attack? Well, what they do is, is that lions are, are, are very opportunistic, and what they are trying to do is they go up to a herd of animals, whatever their prey is that they're trying to attack, and they're looking first and foremost for any animal that is kind of off in the distance, someone disconnected from the herd or from the pack, someone who's more vulnerable, someone who's moved themselves aside, whether they've been distracted, whether they're not paying attention, but someone who has isolated themselves from the other group, whether knowingly or unknowingly, but they are disconnected. Well, they are a victim or a prey from this roaring lion. They're, they're a sitting duck, so to speak, from the pride of lions who will attack. But the other thing that a lion will do, a pride of lions, is that if they can't find that, their next strategy is to disrupt a herd in, 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 in uh, a desire to disrupt and de disconnect and to create that environment to where they can isolate someone by themselves to begin to accomplish that, you see? And so it's all about trying to isolate and to disconnect from that support structure and from that group and from that herd. And so Peter's saying that this is what happens in, in, in the animal kingdom, but it's also what happens in the spiritual side for us as human beings. And we've got to pay attention to that. Whether you're a believer or whether you're just a seeker, you're looking to understand. We've got to be alert because Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion and he's looking at anyone who can, who can isolate and he's a stealer, he's a killer, he's a destroyer. He's looking to take you out of your game. He's looking to disconnect and he's looking to disrupt. And he's an opportunist and he will stop at nothing until he can accomplish that. So what is his goal with us as humans? He's isolating us, but from who? relationships. Understand that. So write that down. He is isolating. His end game, his goal is to isolate you from relationships because that's your structure. That's your support. He wants to disrupt. He wants to displace. He wants you to lose your, fitting, your footing and he wants you to withdraw. He wants you to pull away and, and to, 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 
to uh, disconnect from that, that group. So I, I am naturally, um, you know, I'm an outgoing person, but there's a part of me that wants to be introverted. And when I feel pressure or stress, maybe you're like me, uh, that, that there is something about me that, does want, that I do want to kind of withdraw. And so when I'm going through levels of high stress, like we are going through in our family right now, there's a temptation inside of me that Satan wants to play off of where he's like, man, you know, just, you know, you don't need, you don't need, a, you don't need to answer your best friend's phone call. You, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to be available right now. You just need to pull back. What's Satan trying to do to me? He's trying to isolate me, right? You know, I have, in our case, we have incredible elders who I walk very, very closely with. But there's just sometimes those guys want to check in on me, and I'm just like, ah, oh, I don't feel like talking because I have to be honest. And I'm like, I don't really want to talk about my feelings right now. What do you think Satan's trying to do with me? Isolate me from what? People who really love and care about me. You see, Satan is on the constant game of getting this, and it's subtle because it feels good. I just don't feel like it. I got to take a break. Satan is in the constant game of disrupting and displacing, trying to get us to lose our fitting and pu- footing and pull away from those supports. So isolating us from relationships is a strategy. And it happens over and over and over again. And there's a progression to it. It's not just a subtle thing. There's a master plan, and it's a progression. And so here's what kind of that progression looks like. And so we'll look at it together. That this progression, by the way, it doesn't need to happen in this order. It can happen in any order. But ultimately, remember, whether you're a believer or not a believer, he's going after these things. And as he goes after these things, the most important thing he doesn't want you to do is he wants to hamper this your relationship with God. If he can mess this up and ultimately however way he gets to it, that's where he's heading. Because he doesn't want you to have a relationship with God, especially if you're not a believer and you're trying to figure out who this God is. He wants you to be completely distracted or frustrated or confused or angry, whatever he can do with this. But if he can't, but then along the way, he's also going to mess up relationships with the church, capital C church. If he can get you to think about, well, that church, you know, church in general, all the hypocrites go to church. Yeah, of course, believe that. Yeah, you're right. All the hypocrites do go to church. I mean, they got to go somewhere, right? (laughs) But, you know, church, they they stand for this, they stand for that. Yeah, you can Google and you can search and you can look. Yeah, churches, we're imperfect people. And churches, there's some bad churches out there. There's also some really great churches. But Satan would want you to have a real problem with the capital C, church. But if he can't be successful there, well, then he wants to have you get mad at somebody in the church. I can't tell you how many people over the years I've sat with who said, I can't go there because she goes there. I can't go there because that pastor on staff, that guy's an idiot. I hope they're not talking about me. (laughs) They might be. But maybe you've heard that story before. I can't go there because, and there's a person, that small group leader, that lady, that guy. Then he goes after close relationships. People in your life who speak truth to you, who look at your life and who know you really well, and who are willing to speak truth and love to you, and who have a pretty good understanding of God's word, and are willing to do it in the right way, actually, to be able to say, hey, I love you, but I'm, I'm worried about this area of your life. And suddenly, don't talk to me about that. And Satan whispers in your mind, go find somebody else who supports the way you think and believe. Because what your friend's telling you is not true and you pull away from the relationship. Ultimately, what Satan wants you to do is isolate to yourself. 
And his end game with there is a dangerous end game of isolation and depression and ultimately leading to suicide. He'd love to tap you out. Satan is a nasty, nasty enemy. But let me ask you a question. Why do you think he's doing that? Why do you think Satan is spending so much time on you? Do you think he just has nothing better to do and would love to disrupt your life and mess around on your, you know, your sandbox? It's got to be something more than that. What's his end game? Why is he trying to disrupt your life at such a level? Well, the answer to that is got two layers because one, if you're a believer, something's happening, and if you're a seeker, something's happening. So we'll start as a Christian. The majority of us here possibly in the room are believers, so let's start there. As a Christian, Satan's endgame is to neutralize you, to neutralize you and to destroy your effectiveness and your fruitfulness as a fruit-bearing disciple of Jesus Christ so that you will not be fruitful in your ability to help other people see the power and truth of God's Word. So he, Satan, would need you to not be to live a life of freedom in certain sins in your life. Satan doesn't want you to live a life of boldness in certain areas of your life. He doesn't want you to, to, to man, for, most, for certainly, Satan doesn't want you to have any confidence in sharing your faith. And he's pretty successful, but most believers don't have a lot of confidence to share their faith. Because here's the deal. Satan wants you to not be effective in doing anything that would advance the kingdom of God by your life. Now, he's already lost you as Christians eternally because you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you have an eternal home in heaven because you have, you have been forgiven of your sins. He has given you a home with God. You have, you have salvation and you will spend eternity with God in heaven. That is a beautiful thing. He's lost you there. But the last thing that Satan wants to do on his watch is to let you take more people with you. And so he wants you to be unfruitful. He wants to neutralize your effectiveness. He wants to silence your testimony. And where is your testimony best shared? In relationships. So the people who are around you are the people who best know your life and who are best likely that you're going to tell them about what Jesus is doing in your life. And who are going to see that this is true, like what you're saying is actually true. And they're going to know your story, your testimony, and they're going to be intrigued by what it is that you're doing. And they're going to go, man, this must be true. And I need to go find out for myself if this is true. And they're going to go check it out for themselves. Satan's like, no, 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 no. I need to isolate them and pull them away from those relationships. Satan's master plan is to isolate you from your relationships. Well, the next thing is for seekers, for unbelievers, people who are unsure in their faith, and you're examining the faith, examining the claims of the faith. For him, for you, Satan is trying to do everything in his power to try to keep you from knowing and discovering and believing God's plan of salvation for you. He doesn't want you to know that there's forgiveness for your sins, even your most darkest, deepest, shameful things you've ever done in your life. He doesn't want you to know that there's redemption and forgiveness and restoration. He doesn't want you to know that you can actually have freedom and for your deepest hang-ups and darkest secrets and biggest challenges. He doesn't want you to know you can actually live a free and joyful life. And so he's going to do everything in his power to keep you from not knowing 
If you're not a believer, he's going to work hard to keep it that way because he does not want you to have a relationship with God. He isolates you from your relationship with God by wanting to isolate you from any relationship that is going to be someone who represents healthy conversations about God. Do you see how his strategy is? It's an isolation game. I got to pull you back from that friend. So I'm going to have that friend say something in truth, but it's going to hurt you to a point where you're going to go, I don't want to hear that guy anymore. You're going to go to church and they're going to talk about money that Sunday and you're going to go, I don't want to go to that church anymore. All he wants is my money. You see how it works? Satan is a master. He knows what your hang up is and he'll get me to say it that Sunday. Yep, there it is. He says something about politics, which I try not to ever talk about politics. You know me. But suddenly, Satan will get you to hear what it is that he knows will set you off at your hot button. It's crazy. So here's the deal. Whether you're a Christian or not, here's what Satan knows. Satan knows that the day that you surrender your life to Christ, whether you're a believer or not, he knows that the day that you surrender your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you, endows you with a spiritual gifts, giftings. And those spiritual gifts... It creates inside of us a new person. God's spirit takes up residence inside of us. The old life is gone. The new life has come. We're created new in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that we're created new in Christ Jesus to do good works, to bear fruit. And that fruit is for us to bear fruit for the kingdom. And the things that we bear fruit in actually advance the kingdom of God. So here's what Satan knows. The moment you surrender your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he equips us to bear good fruit, which advances the kingdom of God, which in turn thwarts the kingdom of Satan. Do you understand what's taking place? The reason that Satan has to isolate you and pull you back is because he knows that you have the potential to advance the kingdom of God. And he will stop at nothing to keep you from doing that. Listen to me. Satan fears your potential. Write this down in your notes. Satan fears my potential. Write that down. Satan fears my potential. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Satan fears your potential? It's crazy to think that all believers and all future believers are possible threats to the kingdom of darkness. All believers and all future believers are possible advancers to the kingdom of God. And Satan fears your potential. <laughs> Do you believe it? Here's the crazy thing. Sad thing, crazy thing. Look at this with me. It's quite possible that Satan believes more about your potential than you do. That's a hard truth. Because as I was talking that out, and I had you write down that Satan fears my potential, <laughs> You're thinking to yourself, I don't know about that. Satan fears my potential? I don't know. I'm not sure I make much of a difference. Satan knows you have potential. And the reason you have potential is because of who lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. He is not minimized in his power because he moved inside of you. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful. And he chose to live inside of you. And the gifts that he gave you and the person that he's wired you up to be 
is intended to bear much fruit. And the fruit that you and I are to bear should advance the kingdom of God and should defeat the enemy of darkness, his kingdom. This is what it's all about. Satan sees that potential in you, and he knows that that potential is fulfilled in relationships. And he says, nope. It's too easy. Way too easy. I can isolate them. Because number one, they don't believe in their potential. And number two, they're prone to wander and get distracted. They're easy to disconnect. And number three, I can disrupt them. Because I know their hang-ups and habits. I know their pet peeves. I can detach them. And I can pull them away. So be alert and be aware because your enemy, your adversary, the devil, is like a prowling lion seeking to destroy. Satan fears your potential. Do you believe that your potential with the Holy Spirit inside of you has the opportunity to do great things? Listen, some of you in the room, listen, this is crazy. Some of you in the room have the potential to radically change the face of Christianity in this generation. Some of you have the potential to bear fruit for the kingdom and be light in the darkness in your campus, in your workplace, and at home like it's never been seen before. Some of you have been wired up with a boldness to share Christ that would, would blow away people like Billy Graham and Moody and, you know, and Dwight L. Moody and, and others that you would have the capacity to be able to share your faith with. Some of you have been wired up with the capacity for generosity. You could set this place on fire for the world for new ministry ideas and new endeavors to be able to fund ministry here and abroad. Some of you have been gifted with this entrepreneurial spirit to create and innovate. And when you go into the local church, your mind can't stop thinking about all the things that, man, if the church just knew and could do. You're like the Elon Musk, but you're like in church going, oh, my gosh, these people are asleep at the wheel. If they could only see, if they could only do, God's saying, be fruitful. Use your giftings. Because God is waiting for you to catch on with the fact that the giftings he's giving you are to be used for the kingdom to advance it. But Satan's going, no, 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 no. Too busy for that. You got too much going on in your life to be tapping into that stuff. The church is full of all the political junk in church. And man, you know what? You don't need to deal with all that stuff. Thank God for innovators in ministry. Some of you have the talent to create and to produce things that are changing the world, the culture. Listen, your potential and your capacity that Satan fears, when it is fully functioning and bearing fruit for the kingdom... It is a huge danger to the kingdom of Satan. And he's going to work hard to defeat it. But come on, let's do it. Because our fruitfulness advances the kingdom of God, but something else beautiful happens. And Jesus tells us in John 15, listen to this. John 15 says, when you produce much fruit, not only are you proven you're my true disciple, which is what, man, this is, this is like evidence. It's not just that we're good people, but, we, but producing fruit Jesus says, is proving that you are my true disciple. 
But not only that, check this out. This brings what? Great glory to my Father. Jesus says, in some translations, I, I love how even the ESV says it, in this my Father is glorified that you produce much fruit. So God is glorified when you produce much fruit. And so, but, but so here's the thing is that if you read John chapter 15, it talks about if you abide in me and I abide in you, or if you remain in me and I remain in you, you know the passage, right? It's one of our favorite passages of scripture talking about abiding and remaining. And as Christians, that's we, it's one of our favorite verses. I want to abide and I want to remain in Christ because it just feels so good just to be with Jesus and to go to Bible studies and to read his word and just to spend time in the presence of God. I mean, that's what I'm wired up. And I just love, every one of us loves those moments that we get to abide with God. And Satan's like, you know what? You do that all the time. Satan would love nothing more than, than for all of us in the room to just to focus our efforts and attention on the abiding side of everything. Just hang out with God, man. Because he's already lost you to the kingdom. He's already lost you to God. So just hang out and spend time with him. But for most believers, we kind of think that if we just spend time, all the time with God, let him help me through my life today, and then I'll hang out with God for all eternity. But when you read John chapter 15 about abiding, it says that we abide with him so that we are the, he's the vine, we're the branches, right? You know that? And what is the point of that? So that we can bear much fruit. And so the abiding part is only half of the equation, is that we abide and we spend time with God so that we can be fruit-bearing. And so those two things work together. It's not just the abiding piece, which I know many of us desire, but we must be fruit-bearing as well. And that fruit-bearing piece is what Satan hates. He doesn't want you to do that. But the fruit is bare, if the fruit is born or birthed or, or seen or actuated, activated in relationships. And he's like, I gotta, I gotta pull them back. So let me just let them stay focused on their relationship with God. And then, it won't work, then nothing else will kind of be a play there. When you produce much fruit, it brings glory to God. And Satan hates that when you're fruitful. You see, Satan's end game is for you to have a fruitless life. And ultimately, Satan's end game is for us to have a dead life. I'm going to show you a video clip of one of the sessions. It's a small clip from the Engagement Project. If you haven't seen it, uh, you'll love this little clip. It's a really powerful illustration about our fruitfulness and the exponential uh, impact of our fruitfulness. But it will also show you the exponential negative challenge when we're not fruitful. Let's watch it together. Of Satan, but I will begin by telling you this, Satan's end game is death. His end game is death, but we might, we might say, well, is that, is that dead dead? Because Satan, what he's after is a dead life, a fruitless life. What he wants, he's fine if you are a pretty green fig tree because you were dead. And so think about what Jesus said, or what God said. Jesus was the creator. In the very beginning, we saw this over and over again, the God of life and his charge to his creatures, 
to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And if we, you think about plants and animals and so forth, there is this, there's this marvelous thing called a seed that, that God has endowed us with. And that seed then produces more life. What I call this is the downstream life. We live in the black forest, and so these pine cones represent the, the seeds that come from a tree when the tree is fruitful. But that, that seed produces another life, and those lives produce more life, and those in turn more life and more life. This, this is the downstream life that is part of the vision of God in the beginning to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and why God did, didn't create all of these plants. It was in the nature of God and the character of God that he was going to create his creatures, he was going to equip them, empower them, and he was then going to work through them that the creatures themselves would bring forth life, multiple life, downstream life. But Satan is after what we will call downstream death. Because if he can get you, if he can get one of these creatures to stop producing, it's not just that creature that Satan has been effective with. All of that life that was intended to come from that creature has now been stamped out. And this is what Satan wants. Man, that's huge. You see perspective? Because sometimes we think that I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not messing anything up. If I'm just like abiding and enjoying my life and letting God serve me and my interest and my life and everything's kind of good. And first of all, Jesus says, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're, not, if you're not scattering seed, you're actually not helping anything at all. Look at Luke 11, Luke and Matthew 12. Jesus says, like, you're actually against me. And so sometimes we think, oh, I'm, not, I'm not really causing any, any damage or any harm. But the reality is, is that it's not just us that's affected. But do you understand now what Satan's endgame goal is? His endgame goal is a fruitless life, a dead life. If I can neutralize you as a believer and not let you be fruitful and not go out there and share the gospel and not use your gifts, talents, and abilities to expand and advance the kingdom of God and to bring glory to God, if I can stop you from doing that, not only do I, just, do I interrupt your blessings and your flow of life, but you all of a sudden, everyone in your path, your spiritual lineage, your spiritual life, everything that was intended to come from you, that God from the foundations of the earth, that he, you were created in Christ Jesus in advance to do good works. So that's what it says in, in, in God's word. It says that we were creating Christ Jesus to do good works. He's prepared in advance for us to do. In advance was all that other spiritual life is supposed to come from you is stamped out when he can keep us ineffective from being fruitful. That means your coworkers, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, the lineage of your faith is stamped out. Do you understand now why abortion is on the table? Think of the downstream life that's casted out that Satan's attacking. You know why suicide is Satan's strategy? Think of the downstream life that's affected by that. But that's gruesome and heinous, right? That's terrible stuff. 
And the same strategy with isolation. Because I can neutralize you. It's much more subtle, but it has the same effect. If I can get you to look inward at yourself and focus on your needs and not being fruitful, it's the same effect. I've lost you anyway. You see how Satan's working? It's not just him messing and toying with your life. He's got bigger things he's dealing with. He fears your potential. Sadly, most of us in the room don't fear or don't believe in our potential. Satan fears it more than we do. An isolated life is a fruitless life, and so we must fight and be aware of the schemes of the devil not to be isolated. Again, going back to that chart, that progression of what's happening in our relationships, if we look at it, he's attacking our relationships with God. He's trying to get us angry at God. Have you ever been angry at God? Maybe you're angry at God right now. He's trying to get you to pull away from him. Tragedy strikes. Why did God let this happen? The temptation is, God sucks. Why did you let this happen? I'm going to pull away. Satan's like, yeah. Maybe you've sinned and you've just done something wrong and you're like so gripped by what you've done and Satan's going, man, you can't pray anymore. How in the world are you going to pray? God's not going to listen to you. Now, good luck reading God's word. Like, that's not going to work for you. You're like, I know. And the shame that you have because of what you've done is disconnecting you from God. Do you see what's happening? It's all about disconnecting for the purpose of making you not fruitful. Because if I'm living in sin, if I'm living in shame, I'm not going to share my story. He's such a master. He's such a masterful schemer, is what I'm trying to say. Then he goes after our relationship with the church, and in the church, like we've talked about, programs and preferences and personalities. Look at that pastor or that leader or that person. If he can't get you there, he's going to make you busy or make you lazy. So many people are just so busy, and they got themselves so tied up in other things that church becomes less and less of a priority. If you can't do that, he's going to make us afraid. You got the whole world afraid of COVID. And yes, it's a real thing, and we all got sick, and, and man, thank goodness we're all getting kind of through this nonsense. It's just, it's so crazy. But at the end of the day, look what he did to the church. It was like, oh, the whole church suddenly was like, we're all in our homes. Satan's like, yeah, try to be fruitful in isolation. Man, you see the plan? It's crazy. And he targets our close relationships. I remember when I was a kid. I remember this. Do you remember when you were a kid? And your parents tried to save your life by telling you, you're being really stupid. And you're like, you're trying to wreck my life. And you're, you know, remember that? You remember that? I remember, my, I remember my, my dad's here in the room. He can probably tell you, he remembers this story. My dad's like, you are making a major mistake. And in my mind, all I could think of is like, why do you hate me? Like, why, why in the world would you want to take me away from these friends who all love me, we hang out, this is like the best thing ever, this is my, the, this is my senior year in high school, man. You know, do you remember that? And I'm like, you're ruining my life. And you're like, you're ruining your life. And you're like, you're ruining my life. And so you know what I did? I packed my crap and I ran away. I went, you know, I went to my high school, um, like, small group leader. Went to his house. He called my parents and said, he's over here. Yeah, he's fine. He's eating everything, but he's fine. <laughs> I'll send him home pretty soon. But there was a point that I began to mature, and I realized, wait a minute, because now as a dad, I'm also seeing, wait, you know. But what was Satan trying to do there? Satan was trying to separate me from a healthy relationship. Students, man, there's a point in time where your parents are not trying to wreck your life. They're trying to help you save your life. you got to pay attention to that. 
There's a time where your sister or your brother is going to try to speak truth into your life, not because they're trying to be a jerk or your parent. They're trying to save your life. And Satan's going to go, you don't ever talk to your sister again because after what she told you, what she told your parents or what she did. No. See what happens? Have you ever known a situation? Have you been in situations like this? Satan's just trying to pull you away and isolate you from the very thing that you need in order to be fruitful. He also works overtime to try to get us to turn on the person in the mirror by manipulating us. But negative self-talk and depressive rumination through loneliness and through shame, and that's a double-edged sword, isn't it? You know, shame tells us that isolation is the only way I can really regain control. When I feel shameful, I got to pull back because no one can discover what I've done. And so I've got to pull away. No one can discover. I have to pull, pull, pull. And then he teaches you to hate yourself and works you into a depressive problem until eventually he taunts you with suicide. Maybe you've dealt with those challenges. It's a game that Satan plays. But his end game is a fruitless, dead life. To either neutralize your effectiveness for the kingdom or to take you out altogether. He just doesn't care. He's already lost your soul if you're a believer. And if you're a seeker who's trying to sort out the truth, he's working just as hard because I'll be darned, he's thinking, I'm not letting them discover the reality of what Jesus can do in their life. And he's working hard on you. And he's going to make you think that the church is a mess. He's going to give you something that's going to give you a reason to walk away from faith. He's going to confuse you about some apologetic thing about, well, if God's this, then how come this? And he's going to get you so stuck on that that you'll never be able to move forward. He's like, perfect. You stay in that little box of confusion, and I'll move on to someone else. Man, he's such a trickster. We can't let him fall. We can't fall for these things. We must be wise. We must be alert. If you're going through a time of vulnerability and you're in a crisis and you're, you're dealing with something that's bringing so much emotion out of you right now, you are a prime target for Satan to try to isolate you and disrupt you right now. He will attack you when you're weak, just like he did with Jesus when he was weak. He will attack you when you're in pain or in grieving. He will attack you when you're going through times of incredible and extreme frustration he will, when you're under siege, that's the best time that you'll probably have the biggest blow up with your spouse. When you're under times of frustration, he's like, let's, let's go ahead and put a wedge in between husband and wife here with husband and kids, dad and kids, mom and kids. Yeah, this is a perfect storm. <laughs> Separation. Now the teenager's in the room on the game and I'm never coming back out because of what dad just said to me. I'm done with dad. I'm done with mom, right? You've been there. Maybe you've been on the other side of that. Satan will attack you when you're beginning a new spiritual journey. You're getting ready to start something great, fresh, new. Satan's like, all right, double up because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit him hard. Satan will attack after you come out of a season of victory or success because he's got to stop the spiritual momentum. We've got to be wise. But it's the strategy of isolation that he's after because he does not want you to be fruitful. So today we're going to determine, heck with that, I'm going to be fruitful because it advances the kingdom of God, and it brings glory to the Father. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to leave you with some really great news. Because as much as Satan would want to separate us from God, he can't. Because if you're a believer, here's what it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. So cool. For I am convinced, this is Paul talking to us, 
that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. There's Satan. He falls in that category. Neither our fears about today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And it goes on to say that no power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Everything that Satan's trying to do with isolation, it's basically smoke and mirrors. But we buy into it. But today, you can call his bluff and turn back. So let me close by kind of reminding us where we've been. We watched a video that showed us the exponential impact of fruitfulness. And I pray that you saw yourself in that and either felt encouraged or it challenged you to say, man, I got to get on the game because my downstream life is really lacking. Because one fruit-bearing disciple can produce hundreds more fruit-bearing disciples. We also saw the devastating impact of a fruitless life and the exponential devastating impact when we're neutralized or removed out of the equation. Virtually hundreds of fruitless voids can lay in the wake of one fruitless, dead, unfruit-bearing life. You see, Satan's attack of isolation has everything to do with your potential, which he fears. And what a shame it would be if the enemy would believe more about your potential than you do. Satan would want you to pick up your feet in the river of this world and just be carried away, ineffective for the gospel, happy and content just to abide with God here on earth so you can abide with him in heaven for all eternity. That sounds good. It almost sounds churchy. But it's only half of the equation. Remain in me and I remain in you. I'm the vine, you're the branch to bear fruit because that advances the gospel and brings glory to God. So be fruitful. But first you have to have a relationship with God. And if you don't have a relationship with God, it begins first by surrendering your life to him so the Holy Spirit can come inside of you and change you. And then you can be a part of that plan. And so today you can know that because we're going to sing a final song. It's about sinking our feet deep into God in our faith and, 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 and not being moved. Even when, and when, when trouble comes and storms come, we're just going to be, we're, we're going to be fully aware of what Satan's plan is. We're just going to be locked in and ready to move forward. And while we sing this song together as believers, if you're seeking God and you want to know more about faith, man, I want to encourage you to come forward and talk to one of our leaders during this final song. This is your opportunity to say, I'm ready. I'm ready to say, I want to be fruitful for God. I've had enough time of checking out this faith thing. And today's the day that I want to put Jesus Christ first in my life. If you've fallen victim to his isolation trap, today as Christians, during this final song, commit in your heart no more. If you're watching online and you feel like you've been isolated too long, today's your day to say, I'm coming back. It's time. It's time to get back in the middle of things. Maybe some of you are back here for the first time today because that's exactly what you were feeling before you came here. So welcome back. Welcome back. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for the opportunity to be in your room, in your house with your people. It's in here we find safety. It's in here we find strength. It's in here we find encouragement. 
It's in here, God, that we can be fueled and strengthened, Father, to be able to stand up against the attacks of the enemy, where we learn about his strategies and where we learn how to defend those strategies. Father, nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can separate us from your power. Nothing can separate us from your protection. Thank you for the potential that you've placed in each and every one of us. And I pray today that for men and women, students in this room, and those that are watching online, Father, from now and into the future, when we watch this video back, when we reflect upon this message, we will challenge ourselves to live up to our potential, to advance your kingdom, and to bring glory to God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand together and sing one final song.